Okay, here we go. Uh, I guess I should say a one, a two, a you know what to do. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Got that list? I got it. Don't worry about it. I'm holding you responsible. You keep her in line. I'm not putting up a dead shenanigans. You hear her? Her. 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 I'm not putting up with any Royal Highness Queen of the Blues bullshit. Mother of the Blues, Mal. Mother of the Blues. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. And a two, and a three, and a for the greater good. Nice, nice. I'm glad you remembered. Because <laughs> I checked my notes <laughs> just as I was saying the intro, going, oh, crap, I forgot to remind Sam. So you did it. I'm glad. Thank you. Welcome. Oh, this is great. This is episode 334. <laughs> and tonight, today, tonight, that's that kind of came out one word. Tonight, something around here. Yeah. At this point in time around the sun, we are talking about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I am Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew. Doesn't have time to set up a new mic, Jimison. <laughs> <laughs> that's My, a peek behind the curtain that is. right there. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I think we're I think we're good to go though. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. The last two weeks I've been able to do that, where the the real world has seeped in with the movie. It's been pretty great. Uh, Sam yes. needs a Coca Cola, Vector. Really? Hey, hey, Sean, why don't you come over here and, and step on my shoe? Oh gosh. I don't want to step on your shoe. <laughs> your bright yellow shoes. Yeah, man. Come step on my shoe. See, see what happens when you step on my shoe. I don't want to. It seems painful. <laughs> of, of the many ways that you've devised my demise, yeah. getting stabbed in the kidney sounds pretty awful. Dude, yeah. yeah. Although, we, we, well, I guess spoilers. You went really quick. Right? Yeah, he's old, but still, it sounds awful. Yeah. Uh, okay. I guess, uh, and Stephen, I don't know why I said I guess, but in Stephen, a, a one, <laughs> a two, a you know what to do, Honeycut. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. Good. Uh, yeah, glad to yeah have it's you great back. to have you back. Thanks. We're uh, we're oh. always uh, we're always glad to uh, have guests on the show. We've been we've been having a, a string of, I would say, some really excellent uh, talents on the show. Absolutely. And, and Steven is no exception to that. He is no Ah, exception. you're too kind. Um, <laughs> and for those that don't know, I, uh, I uh, bamboozled Steven onto the show uh, by appearing on his, uh, his Theme Park Legends show back mm. when theme parks were still a thing. Yeah, oh, it's so <laughs> sad. I don't, even, I don't uh, even put out episodes anymore. I mean, not because of COVID, but... But also, sort of, because of that, just because I'm like, right. who wants to listen to about theme parks that are 
hardly even exist anymore. It's so crazy. (laughs) Well, and you're totally right. You know, we were supposed to go to Disney World last summer, and we're planning on it this summer. So it'll be interesting to see the difference in uh, in what it what it is. Well, from what I understand, uh, you're paying the same price for half a park, um, but hopefully it'll change by the time you go back. Yeah. Well, my my in-laws pay for everything, so. Well, well, then just have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. Punch Mickey in the nards for me. All right. It certainly will. Oh, uh, my. Uh, so that, that was Mickey. would go deeper for because, you know, it's <laughs> so high. what are you doing? Yeah, I don't I don't Knock recommend it off. Yeah. Uh, I don't recommend doing that Poor Mickey. Uh, yeah, Sam, Sam, don't. Yeah. Don't look at Goofy. Don't let it. Don't let yourself yeah. look at Goofy. It, guys, he's fine with Pluto, but for some reason, Goofy gives him nightmares. Well, it makes no sense, right? Yeah, but, no. Why I'm is there sorry. a why? There's two different types of dogs, right? And you got Pluto, who is a mindless pet, right? And yet you have Goofy, who has has wearing clothes and and talks, and and it, they're both dogs, right? Yeah. So it yeah. makes no sense. Well, I was um, I was surprisingly uh, old. Uh, we'll just say it was recent that I discovered that Pete is in fact a cat, which is why he picks on Mickey Mouse so much. Yeah, I, I didn't know that until about. What well, did you think he was all these years? Honestly, I don't. I really don't know. Just like an ambiguous. Oh, animal. Sean! I, I had no idea that's what he was, and. I mean, obviously, it makes a lot of sense that that's what he yeah. is, but I had no idea. You wouldn't last a day in Toontown. Yes. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, this movie is not any of those things. This movie is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and this was a listener request. A good friend of ours and the show, Maxton, asked us to do this movie. Yep. Uh, as part of our 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 quartet of movies for Black History Month, and so uh, we started off with action adventure in Gemini Man. Then we went something a little more history based, but kind of feel good, sort of Disney kind of feeling in Hidden Figures. And this movie is very different than both of those in both tone and structure and feeling and everything and yeah this get that right this is yeah this is none of those things and there's um i'll admit as after i got done watching this and i was kind of chatting about with my wife about it um i was kind of struggling on what we would talk about for this episode this (laughs) podcast (laughs) well without stepping on any feet and, and, you know, we want to make sure that we're re- reviewing a movie. So we don't get stabbed in the back, right? Yeah, so we, <laughs> and our kidneys are intact by the time we're done with this. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think there's going to be some stuff to talk about where, where we aren't just four white guys, you know, picking on, a, on this type of movie. Because I think there's, there's some, I think we could find some really good stuff in, in this. And, and there's some stuff that isn't so good. Yeah, don't yeah, please don't get me wrong anyone listening or even you three cuz I've not discussed discussed this with anyone um that I that my little 
soliloquy there would suggest that I hated this movie and that it is going to be four white guys making fun of it or, or whatever that we're going to come across as insensitive. I don't. That's not my intention. My intention is is that my my point, I guess, was that I feel super in uh, not in unqualified <laughs> to <laughs> to really get to on the deeper levels of this movie that I think that the movie is deserving of. But mm-hmm. we're going to try because, <laughs> yeah. damn it, that's what this podcast is about. And, and frankly, I think it's for good conversation. And I'm also looking forward to getting some feedback because we got some really great feedback from Absolutely. Hidden Figures. And I, uh, it was, that was really, really lovely to get, so, uh, get some messages about Hidden Figures. So, um. So yeah, my Rennie's Black Bottom. I am gonna read a little synopsis real quick so that everybody's on the same page because I, I will say this up front, and I did not warn my wife about this, and this was my fault. This movie is based on a play, but basically the movie is the play. It's not like where you take a movie that's based on a play, like let's say Romeo and Juliet, and you. Baz Luhrmann it up and you give the guys guns instead of swords and you have lots of different exotic locations. No, this movie. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is a play, right? We are in Mm -hmm. one location and we talk a lot and then we go to another location and then we talk a lot and then we go to one other, we go back to an original location. This movie only has like four locations total, right? Like band room, Mm -hmm. studio, the opening place, and then, an alleyway. I guess maybe. the alleyway slash street. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's yeah. They water. tried to yeah. They tried to like I guess add in some places like when those uh, those two guys went to the across the street to get a coke. Like I'm sure they didn't like build an entire set just for the convenience store uh, for the play. But yeah, they were trying like you know in their movie sort of way to like get you out of there a little bit so you don't have to spend the entire runtime inside the uh the the studio and also i read that the stuff at the beginning when they showed like ma rainey uh singing to like what looked like i don't know a congregation or something like that they added that stuff into obviously yeah 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 i think that was more for context so that we know who she was and sure sure and here's an interesting thing i missed it totally on the first watching and and then I picked it up on the second watching to pull clips. Uh, I'm skipping ahead. I'm even skipping what I was I started to say five minutes ago is what the what the synopsis of this movie is. Um uh-huh. but in the moment where she's singing on stage and then we get in that moment the looks between um Levy and the girl, I forgot her name. Mm-hmm. And um uh, t- uh, Dusty May is her character name. We get we get the looks, and that and Cutler sees them, the looks, mm-hmm. and then also during the trumpet solo, he steps forward, and literally, steals the spotlight from Ma, right? And she, literally, yells at the guy while singing to put it back on her, and he fades back into the background. So that's setting up, the the dynamic there. I mean, we get a lot in just that moment where there's no dialogue. It's just singing. Sure. And I completely missed it the first time watching it. I think probably Mm -hmm. because I was still setting up the script to take (laughs) notes and I just missed it. So 
Here's a little uh, IMDb synopsis. During a recording session, tensions rise between Ma Rainey, her ambitious horn player, and white management, and the white management determined to control the uncontrollable mother of the blues. So that's actually good job, IMDb. I think you actually nailed it that time. For sure. They usually don't. They're usually pretty bad at it. So to Andrew and Sam, who are uh, and myself, who are all three brass players and the and low brass at that, did it ever bother you that they kept calling him a horn player? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think that that is uh, if you think about jazz and you think about blues, that's kind of a traditional you know name that you would give a wind instrument player as a horn player regardless of what they play yeah you know if it's a if it's a horn you know they're going to call a trombone a horn or a trumpet a horn and 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 that's still that's still a thing today okay yeah when i was in a ska band you're in the horn section i played saxophone in a ska band a long time ago i didn't Uh, know that you are now how cool is that yeah you are immediately way cooler in my scale now than you were before. absolutely (laughs) but bass wasn't good enough (laughs) wouldn't have mattered wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. The fact that you were in a ska band is immediately cool. I mean, like, I mean, I just just so you know, at 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 a, at, a, at the touch of my fingers, I have it always. <laughs> I always have some ska handy nearby. So there you go. Hey, it was yeah, the nineties, right? Nerdy. Yeah. Nerdy <laughs> no, I'm still. Yeah. It's still my favorite genre by far. I know I'm 38, so I I know I I've way passed it, but it's still my favorite style of music i know it just that's it annoys people it annoys my wife but uh, <laughs> when, I uh, when i moved in with sean in college uh he introduced me to all these different ska bands and fire and frenzy and all these different groups and i was like wow okay yeah i kind of like this stuff yeah. mighty mighty boss tones that kind of stuff it was great. but but going on 60 days of non-stop ska you know <laughs> i'm sure it, uh, i'm well, sure anybody would go a little insane you got to mix in a reggae, of course, like, <laughs> well, or yeah. ska punk. Like, well, yes, yeah, <laughs> your, your ska punk stuff is pretty great too. I mean, uh, there's there's certainly, um, I mean, the I don't know if you guys remember. I know, uh, I don't know, Sam, if you ever had a PlayStation Two or maybe it was PlayStation One. I can't remember, but Pizza Hut back in the day had this deal where if you bought like the the extra large multiple topping pizza you could get one of four disc demos for i think ps2 and the one that we got was tony hawk pro skater one it was the original Mm -hmm. and you could play it was um you could play two minutes of the first level and we played that over and over and over, but it had one song on it, and it was um, it was Goldfinger by Su- uh, Superman by Goldfinger. So I heard the first two minutes of that song about a thousand times. I had to I had to go find the album, buy the album, just so I knew how the song ended. <laughs> That's a great game and song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Those are the days. You know what? Let's just do a 90s retrospective. <laughs> Forget Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Oh, wait. No, I shouldn't say that. All right. Let's. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
Well, um, they should have been playing ska, not the blues. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, oh, it would have been pretty great. It would have been pretty great. <laughs> I mean, honestly, well, they were kind of dressed for the for ska. You know, like their clothes sure, need sure. to be That's a little true. bit more yeah. loose fitting, but otherwise, yeah. Well, I think steering us back to the movie, uh, something, Please and do. we'll talk about this, I'm sure, something that I did appreciate about this is this is almost a history of uh, of where... American music, where a lot of American music comes from. Yeah. Uh, look, looking at the blues, and and I guarantee if you ask any random Joe off the street, they're not going to know that the music that we enjoy today started in the African American community in uh, in you know little sh- you know just hole in the wall places where people would gather and listen to the blues. Yeah. And uh, and that's eventually where jazz came from as I think Levy was trying to uh, to accomplish and uh, or, or start building and, and you know he kept referring to the the jug band and stuff and like I said we'll talk about this but yeah. uh, this movie just excited me as a music teacher to, to see some of this historically and I think somewhat historically accurate uh, portrayals of of, uh, of a blues group back in the 1920s yeah, definitely. And one of the things, I mean, Andrew, you and I were both music majors, um, so you, you know, you took uh, your your history of music was different than mine. But I did take history of rock and roll, um, and one of the things that, that we discussed in that was that a lot of these rock and roll songs that we grew up learning, listening to, like "You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog," you know, a rock and roll song, was a cover of a blues song. Yeah. I mean, there's there's right. lots of that um, examples of these you know these old songs that were these blues songs that were done by you know these black musicians that didn't have uh, they didn't have rights to their music because they were black and so they were able to kind of be taken advantage of and so yeah well and that's that's one thing too that I'm I'm interested after watching this movie you know how much of that music was taken. Right uh, or or co- not coerced, but but tricked out of the hands of the of the rightful owners, um, when uh, when they would go to places like this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, as a music industry major, as a recording major, we we this was discussed a lot about this this type of thing that you know producers' rights and the artist rights and 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 things like that, and so so. To really bring it to the movie, I, I was I was thinking about the movie in, in in this kind of way. This movie has I was trying to count it out. This movie feels like it has four plots happening. Okay. I'm trying to I'm I'm I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, so bear with me. And we're going to get to our five word reviews in just a minute. I, let me let me parse this out. <laughs> so yeah, the the main plot I think is not the recording. I think the main plot is Levy and his. His wanting to be respected and to be seen. Yeah. His his experience. I think that's plot A. Plot B is Ma and her needing to be respected and and heard, seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Plot three is subplot three is the recording. The, the 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 shady business of this the recording and how all of that was going down both against you know 
against Ma and against Levy. Mm-hmm. And then four, I think, would just kind of be the the story of the of the band and their um, journey from let's show up and do a thing to at the end where it ended, right? Yeah, is that I think is that fair to say? It's kind of those four themes, right? If you guys have other things to add, specific. I think maybe the band one isn't as big. Um, yeah. You know, mainly because they're they're supporting characters. Um, I would absolutely put you know the big two. You've got um, uh, uh, little Ma and um, is it Laney, right? Le- Levy, Levy, like Levy. Thank you, the Levy. To the Levy. Le- they're, they're the big two stories, and I'll, I'll, when I get to my review, I'll let you, I'll uh, I'll explain why I believe that way. But I think that there's a big part of this uh, is I think you could loop, I guess you could say the band in with the recording story going on um, with it. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a good three. Yeah. That's why I mentioned them last because they are kind of the, the sub, they're they're the fourth plot. They're the, we need to, we need some, we need some, they they help move the story in a direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, they aren't necessarily the story. Right. Well, while we're here, Sam, why don't you just go ahead and, and, uh, and, and lay down. Yeah, sure. I only have one today. Oh, right. no, no, no. I have two. Sorry, I have two. Um, and uh, my first one is Moss Banks, that black bottom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um, my 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 other one is is really how I feel, and it's basically, and this again, it, it feels weird. A black Breaking Bad film. Okay. And the reason okay. I put that, those of you who have who have seen Breaking Bad what breaking bad structure is basically this film structure. We start this film loving Levy and thinking he's talented, thinking he's, he's in the, uh, you know, in the right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, in breaking bad, we, we love Walter white. You know, he's the good guy. He's the protagonist. And by the end of breaking bad, we all hate Walter white and we aren't real happy with Levy (laughs) at the end of this one. Whereas, Ma Rainey, we start the film kind of, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I was aggravated with her. I was just like, you know, selfish and, and this lady is just, she was getting on my nerves. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the film, it's like, holy crap, she was right all along. She, sure. th- she had to be like that in order to get what she, you know, to be treated even fairly, not even, not even as good, but as, you know, even fair. So, um, like Breaking Bad, then you've got the Jesse story where, you know, he starts off as kind of this punk kid and at the end, everybody loves Jesse. So I I enjoyed that crisscross, right? I enjoyed kind of getting my head turned when, when Levy just goes absolutely insane um, in this film. And let me tell you, holy crap, what acting by... Uh, oh, yeah. um, uh, uh, what's his okay. name? Chadwick Boseman, yeah. yeah. Chadwick Boseman. Um, he uh, he disappeared into that role, mm-hmm. and and just uh, he acted his butt off. And I can only hope he wins some awards for this role. And I thought Ma Rainey did did uh, as well. Um, because again, she disappeared into into that. Um, are there some faults in this movie? I don't know. Um. I, I don't quite understand the point of the the daughter, or not the daughter, the uh, the Dancing Levy's girl? love interest. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was needed. It does feel claustrophobic. 
um, in the movie, if, you know, if we're being honest, you can tell it's a play, um, because it just feels like you can't escape, but maybe it's supposed to be like that. I don't know. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was an interesting lesson and I wanted to rip those producers heads off at the end of this movie. Um, when they show the, the white orchestra playing Levy's music. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that kind of just brought home the idea that even though it felt like you were supposed to feel sorry for, uh, for the producer that's trying to make things work. Right. Obviously the other guy's a jerk, but the, the guy who's trying to make it work. But in the end, he's, he's not the greatest person in the world. So. Yeah. I mean, he's just a guy doing his job. That's a part of a pretty horrible machine. Exactly. Still exists today. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want a modern example, obviously there's less racism in this case, but it's more of the power control. You look at uh, Kesha. I mean, well, I I do not know Kesha. What's happened to her? You know, who nor she do is. I. You know, who she yeah, is. I know. I, I ate Kesha. Yeah. So Kesha, you know, she has that one album, and it has like seven hits on it, and everybody's singing her music at the clubs, and then she disappears because, um. She was in a binding contract with her producer, and according to the to the to her, this is from her, what her she said. Mm-hmm. And if I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me or Google it yourself. So don't take me as the gospel. But from what I've read, is that basically she was being sexually harassed by him, and she wanted to be let go of the contract, but because she her contract was binding for like a three album deal she couldn't get out so she couldn't make music that's so that's why we didn't hear from her for like six years or six or seven years it's because the producer had had all the power so wow i mean yeah unfortunately it's it's only gotten worse as like all of the the studios both music and movie have all sort of consolidated and under one giant conglomerate There's less places to work now for actors and musicians. So basically you have to play the game. And if someone wants to, you know, throw their weight around and, you know, try to get you to do something you don't want to, then, you know, then maybe you'll just disappear from the public eye, you know, just like this, a young Kesha, apparently. I mean, this is the first I've heard of it, but, um, but yeah, it's the same as it ever was, as David Byrne says. (laughs) Yeah, there's um. T- to your point about the, the the music music scene also with you know the, the kind of conglomerates owning these you know artists, that's why it's so rare when you get like a Billie Eilish. I mean, they recorded her songs in a in her bedroom, right? Like yeah, you're gonna get that. I think basically around the early 2010s, right? The 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 Roaring Tens, right? That where. Because Foo Fighters put out a Grammy-winning album from their garage. Now, to be fair, the Foo Fighters' garage is different than our garages. But, <laughs> sure, but maybe, maybe a little bit there. Yeah. But there, but they were able to because the recording equipment has gotten significantly cheaper. You know, I mean, right. I, again, Eilish recorded everything on a on a mic that I'm using in a studio using Pro Tools. Right. I mean, she right. probably had a total of a thousand dollars invested in her studio. So mm-hmm. I do think that we're going to get a lot of those types of things also still. I mean, there's still going to be the big, your big bands. Uh, yeah. And bringing it back to ska for half a minute, um, <laughs> my favorite band, Five Iron Frenzy, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they left their label when, they, when the band basically broke up in 2003. 
mm-hmm. then in 2007, 2000, no, 2012, I think they, they, they said, hey, we want to do a Kickstarter and do our own album. And so they, they, they crowdsourced their album. And so they got enough money from the crowdsource that they were able to tour with that money oh. to help wow. know, continue to raise money for themselves, you know, as, as jobs. But it, it didn't require them to be beholden to a, an, an album or a label, I mean. Like they, right. could, they could do their songs and tour their locations with bands they wanted to. And yeah, I mean, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom like shows us that the only reason why these like you know powerful record companies exist is because the technology was so expensive back then. The only people who could yeah. afford it were these you know robber barons, and of course they're gonna like get their lawyers to come up with whatever contract they can to, you know, just basically bend you over a barrel. And it's, you know, finally, at least we're, as you said, you know, you talk about your five iron frenzy and everyone else that is, you know, doing their own thing. The only reason those other guys still exist and have power is because they've got the marketing. (laughs) Now, if there's a way that, you know, we can um, circumvent that, then, Hey, you're aces. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to boil back into this, this movie as well during this time how much power the record companies have especially sure. over somebody like ma Raimi. Right. and i think that's also the that's it's the sole reason why she has to be so quote unquote bitchy right, right. Yeah. um to, to get any kind of fair treatment she knows she's talent she knows that that she's the reason you know they're successful and if if she you know, you could see it when she was signing those forms at the very end. There was there was much hesitation to do mm-hmm. so, and rightfully so. When we find out why, right? One piece of context for the people listening that might not have watched this, that are just listening to us: this movie is set in 1927. Um, I don't think yeah. I mentioned that yet. This is the 1920s. This is the early days of producing records and. Um, you know, they're, they're, the studio that they're in is very unsophisticated, but at the time it was extremely sophisticated. Right. You know, they're yep. literally scratching records. And so her nephew that she wants to do the intro that has a stuttering problem, every time he stutters a word, they have to throw away a disc. Yep. And that's, you know, I don't know, maybe expensive. $15 yes. a disc, which in 20, mm. you know, 1927 is a lot of money. Yeah. Sure. And, yeah, now we can just hit delete and start again. Yeah, back and then, a, that's a big and deal. A, and again, I love how this movie frames it in terms of you're annoyed with her wanting to get her her nephew to to do the intro. You're, it's annoying, and, and but in the end, you realize, holy crap! You know, she's just trying to make sure that everybody is is getting taken care of. Yeah, and right. um, I just love that. I love that you know turn in this this film. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's uh, let's get Andrew's five word review, and then I, I'd like to uh, we'll we'll go from wherever that goes. And I'll, I want to hit back on that topic, and uh, Sam about yeah about basically respect, uh, right? The the respect that she commands, basically. What you got, Andrew? Okay, so I have uh, historical, powerful, and well acted. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. And I have a few quotes that I want to throw in here. Um, there's a few things that really stuck out to me in the 
in the dialogue and in the and this is written beautifully and i would i would imagine to see what this is like in a play uh with real actors on stage uh and and i would love to see it sometime uh done live but uh, one of the lines is all they want is my voice and that line really stuck out to me you know she's she's saying that you know they get my voice and then that's all they want for me and the reason it stuck out to me is I, I think about how for generations and still today voices of black people are trying to be silenced and she says all they want is my voice and you know there you think about the history of black america and a lot of a lot of things have been silenced. A lot of, you know, before this, I never heard of Ma Rainey. And I'm a music major. Like, you know, I never heard of uh, this this uh, group and these performers and the mother of the blues. And you would think that that would be something that, that I would have heard of. Um, but you think about just how whitewashed that our history really is. And that line really stuck out to me as all they want is my voice. When in reality, uh, and like I said, the voices of many black people have been silenced for generations. And so that one, that one kind of hit me. And then, uh, something else that I really liked was, um, you sing cause it's the way of understanding life. The blues help you get out of bed in the morning. You get up knowing you ain't alone. And so the this tells the story not only of the actors on stage, but like I said, and what excites me about it is it tells the story of blues. You know, you you find out that blues is a way of of the black community actually being able to communicate, actually being able to leave their mark, actually being able to to uh, to make their voices heard in a way. And so I, musically, I think that this story is important. And uh, in the history of the United States and America, I think this story is important. And I want more stuff like this to be to be out there because I know that this story is not the only one that's bringing bringing things to the surface that really need to be celebrated and, and talked about. Yeah, right on. Um, yeah, this is, um, so this is movie is based on, on a play that was written by August Wilson. Um, and Denzel Washington is producing, I think it's like the seven plays that he has written. And one of them was, uh, the first one a couple of years ago was Fences with Viola Davis and, and Denzel Washington. And it looks like he also wrote one called The Piano Lesson, which was in movie in 95. So, uh, which, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, those are great quotes, Andrew. I'm glad you, you keyed in on those. Um, and that's that leads us back to kind of what I was wanting to hit on with with her with Ma Rainey is this 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 thing of respect like Sam and mentioned you know she 
she she comes across at the beginning as kind of insane. And and then by the end, you do realize that she is doing this for a reason. It's it is to she just wants to be treated like a person, like an equal. And she also realizes that she's got these two white guys eating out of her hand because she can't, because she has a talent and a skill set that they want, and she's going to make them jump through it. She's going to make them jump through hoops because this is the first time in her life that she can do that and that a black person has power over white people, and I'm sure there's a part of her that just loves that. And um, it, it is kind of... It is kind of you know, satisfying, though ultimately at the end, you know, the, the white producer guy is going to bring in this white band and make a lot of money off the record that he bought for $5, or the album, or the song, I mean, off for $5. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Steven, what's your five word? And then we'll, uh, maybe we'll transition off the, uh, her, her storyline and we'll hit Levy for a little bit. Okay. Mine is, uh, and I've got an explanation for it <laughs> is uh <laughs> this isn't this is not tyler perry <laughs> and uh i mean basically i went through an emotional roller coaster uh when i when i was assigned this movie by by sean <laughs> like uh, uh i was like just the the name i was like what like that's it sounds like a tyler perry-esque like comedy um, but then I actually, you know, did a little bit of research and I was like, oh, and I thought maybe, you know, historical biopic, like that we would you yeah. know, see Ma Rainey go from, you know, her you know, <laughs> meager, whatever, all the way to, you know, well, I guess not stardom, but, but whatever. I th- that's what I thought we were going to get. And then I started watching it and it started off like it could have been that, but then we got to the part where they were in the rehearsal area, the band. And I was like, oh boy, we've been in here for a while. What's going on? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I see what this is. This is a basically a filmed uh, stage play. And uh, I don't know, I wasn't too thrilled when I realized that. <laughs> um, but after a while, through the performances and like the dialogue, which you could also say the writing, I mean, it really sucked me in and it actually reminded me that, you know, I used to not used to, I still do that. I liked stuff like that. It's just like, you know, this would be a a real hard sell, like to anyone, especially people who've been stuck inside due to the (laughs) coronavirus and, uh, you know, who normally watch genre films to escape reality, uh, like myself, like, you know, to say, hey, you ought to check out this, you know, film stage play where people you know stand around and like and talk but of course it's much more than that like i mean it's you know it's as uh as sean said it's a uh, much deeper like there's i mean there's like so depending on what angle you want to go at it, it's like you've got the struggle of you know obviously them versus their you know their white business guys uh it's the it's the young versus like the old versus the guys who say, you know, don't rock the boat. Like, I mean, it really was an engrossing film that I'm glad I watched that I never would have had not Sean demanded that I watch it. <laughs> uh, and I'm really, and I'm really glad that I did. And, um, and yeah. And so that's why I came up with that review. <laughs> okay. That's cool. That's very cool. 
You know, I got so basically. Be, so basically, Sean forced you. Well, yes. Well, you guys, the collective <laughs> that is Cheap Seat Reviews, forced me to to watch this awesome, somewhat historical drama, <laughs> but film stage play. Um, that's about so much struggle. It's uh, it's crazy, but uh, yeah. but well done, well done all around. Well, I mean, I, I will. I have to admit, also, I have to give some credit to again, listener Maxton, who um, this is probably the most shout put us on this one. Yeah, he he basically he um, when he said I when I announced because uh, this was Andrew's idea to say, hey, let's um let's do a Black History Month series. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've been doing this show for seven years. How have we never thought of that? It's a brilliant idea. Yeah. So, so when I announced on Facebook, this is what we're doing, Maxton texted me and said, what movies are you doing? And I said, well, here's our lineup. So this movie, this week's movie, was originally going to be Outside the Wire with Anthony Mackie. And mm-hmm. like a, it's like a steampunk movie kind of yeah. thing. Right, which is very okay. up our alley than what we normally do. And right. it looks really fun, and I'm gonna, we're going to watch it at some point. It's on the list. We'll probably watch it you know, in a month or two. Cool. But... He said, I said, well, we're going to do, you know, we're going to do the Will Smith, Jim and I, man, and then we're going to do Hidden Figures. And then he said, you need to do Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He said, <laughs> uh, he said, I'm telling you, you have to do this movie. And so I said, okay. I mean, I know he listens, so gosh, why not? You know, mm-hmm. so, uh, so, if, you know, feel free to both give him all the blame and credit. <laughs> Will do. Yeah, man. Um, so my five-word review was, <laughs> I couldn't think of the last word. I, I had four strong words, and I couldn't think of the last one, so it ends kind of dumb, but I'm sorry. Uh, broken blues playing people, Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> do, you think Coke, do you think Coke sponsored some of this? I don't know, maybe. I'll, um, I will say that watching her drink that made me very thirsty for a Coke. <laughs> I mean, that is straight out of the old commercials i can only imagine how refreshing yeah it must have been so hot in those uh rehearsal spaces back then like no ac like and you saw they have like carpet over the windows so there's no moving air whatsoever well yeah when they're they're time to record you're right yeah i mean obviously yeah yeah it's funny i was watching it and she's chugging this thing right and all i could think (laughs) of is like i'm looking at the trivia going viola davis had to chug four cokes before they got you know like i was expecting to see that i didn't see it was nothing in the trivia about it but i'm sure she did right i'm sure there's multiple takes that you know they always say that it's the eating scenes that are always hard for the actors and actresses because they have to do it so many times real quick yeah please yeah this uh the actress, Viola Davis, they did such a fantastic job. And honestly, I think a lot of it was was her input, but uh, from what I've you know read about it, but I really think that they did a fantastic job of making her unattractive because she is a beautiful <laughs> woman. Like she yeah. really is. And um, and if you look at some of the the historical pictures of Marini, she's She's not very, <laughs> I mean, she really did have gold teeth and, and, and the way that her makeup is, you know, was very accurate to, to how they portrayed it on screen. But, um, uh, I, I think that not only is the right, you know, we've talked about the writing and we've talked about the acting, but the, uh, you know, the people that do the, uh, the costumes and, and the, uh, makeup, you know, 
makeup and yeah. the, the set on this, they should be winning awards too because this is a really well done. Yeah, even down to the band members, right? Yeah. They, they all had a different look, and yeah, it just it was it was very well done. It felt it felt like it fit in that world in that nineteen twenties world. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, she was nominated for a Golden Globe, and so was uh, Chadwick Boseman. Um, let's see, Screen Actors Guild Award. It was nominated for uh, Chadwick Boseman, and then just the cast was nominated, and of course Viola Davis was nominated. Um, it's won AFI Music Movie of the Year, and and a handful of uh, Black Film Critics Award. It won Best Picture. Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Adapted Screenplay. I mean, it's it's won a bunch of awards already. It's let's see, I'm trying to think. Will it be Will it be up for Oscars? I don't know. No one knows how the Oscars are going to be this year because one of the rules for Oscars is it has to be in the theater. But there's only been like eight mm. movies in the theater in 2020. So oh, that's a good point. So oh I, dear I, lord. So like, uh, what is that? Crude, crude. The Crudes two will be up because yeah. it's the only. Movie, Tenet, Tenet, will win everything. All because yeah. it's the only thing that was in the theater, and most people don't seem to like it, um, which is weird. I liked, I liked Tenet. From what okay. I've seen on Twitter, a lot of people were pretty disappointed in it. But I think maybe there's some hype going on there. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Crap! I had something I wanted to add, and I, I've I've lost it. Their awards. No, it was um, long before that. It was even before I was going to do my 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 five word review. We were talking about. Oh, I know where Stephen. You were talking about Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. And whenever I hear someone invoke Tyler Perry's name, I'm always reminded of two stories. So a good friend of mine, um, I don't think he listens to the podcast, even though he has in the past supported us financially. Uh, he was a filmmaker that I worked with, and um, from Atlanta, and. He told me the, the first time he had ever heard the name Tyler Perry, it was on one of the very first, because the whole Medea thing started off like as, as shorts or something. It wasn't like feature films. They were like short videos right. he was doing. Right, right. And so Damon was literally given a camera and told to follow this woman down the street and just capture reaction shots and stuff. And so he's following Medea, not knowing that that's Tyler Perry. And, huh? and not knowing that the bit was that someone was going to steal Medea's purse and that the gag was that she always keeps a gun in her bra. <laughs> and so the guy steal the purse and, and Damon thinks it's real. Oh, no. So when Medea turns around and pulls the gun and aims it at the camera and fires a blank, Damon drops, oh, the, Damon drops the camera and duck. Oh, and no. of course, then Tyler Perry starts screaming at him, you just dropped a you know, a $8,000 camera and, you know, Damon's screaming it back at him going, how dare you pull a gun on me without telling me, you know, like it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of screaming. And eventually Damon walked off that set. Wow. And then the other story, Tyler Perry story I love is that there was, it was one of the movies. I don't remember which one it was. I think it was one of his movies or something, but basically he hadn't paid any of the extras. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, he hadn't, he hadn't fed them. That's what it was. He hadn't fed them. Oh. And so after about six hours of filming, they were like, we're going to walk off set because we're hungry. 
And he knew that if they all left, that he wouldn't get them back and it would screw up the shot. So he invited them all down to his basement for pizza and then he locked the door. What? And wow. this is like at a time where most people didn't have cell phones, but one guy did and was able to call 911 and Tyler Perry went to jail for like five hours because of wow. illegal detainment. Oh my gosh. Now he paid everyone and he fed them, so they all dropped the charges. But like, there was like five hours or there was a couple hours where they were detained illegally. So mm. that was one of, Damon told me that story too about Tyler Perry. So, and of course he's not in this movie, but he would, if he was, he would be our Star Trek connection because he's in the Star Trek movie, which is so weird to me. But anyway. That is weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, so let's, let's talk about Levy for a minute if you guys. Yeah, so sure. Inclined. So Chadwick Boseman just nails it, right? Absolutely. I mean, the, the fact that one, I've only ever seen one other thing where he's not, you know, Black Panther. So mm-hmm. it was weird not Jackie? Hearing. The Jackie Robinson one? Yeah, 42. Yeah. Yep. Same I've here, never actually. even seen that. Dude. Yeah, that's another good one. You, He's amazing in that as well. Do you know well. who Alan Tudyk is? Yes. This will be the only movie in your life where you will hate Alan Tudyk. You will <laughs> want to punch him in the dick. I'm just be honest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he is the most racist MFer. It's just, it's kind of painful to watch. Mm-hmm. It's supposed, yeah. to, it's supposed to be, but right. da- but damn. <laughs> um, and I, again, that was a movie where when I was reading, looking in the trivia, I wanted there to be a part where it was like Alan Tudyk was so uncomfortable with this part that he like he had to buy Chadwick Boseman, you know, dinners for a week to feel better. You know, something like I was expecting to see. I didn't read it. There wasn't anything like that. I was saying it didn't happen. Right. Uh, yeah, Forty Two is a really, really good movie. Um, yeah, but in this movie, it's it's not just the fact that he's not using his Wakandan accent. It's like he's mm. changed his voice. You know, like yeah. it's that. Yeah, it's that nineteen twenty style. I mean, he was that person. I totally bought him. Yeah, I mean, I totally bought him honestly as a trumpet player and fake playing. We all know well, those no, musicians. L- let me in, let me interject here. So I don't know if you saw it, but there's a there's an additional thirty minute like documentary about this film on Netflix as well. Yeah, I saw. Oh it, no, I, I did not know it. that. Yeah, Denzel. Uh, yeah, yeah, Denzel kind of moderates it or talks about it, and uh, uh, so Chadwick Boseman from Bradford Marcellus learned how to play trumpet, and uh, actually learned the correct fingerings and learned how to play the instrument. Now that's not him playing in the recordings, of course. Sure. But but he's playing. Like all the musicians that are there actually learn to play the instruments. And, oh wow. Yeah. And so uh, talking about how he really bought into the accent and and bought into the 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 period type behaviors and things. Uh, he he bought into it all the way with learning to play the horn. The you know. Accurately, wow, that's really great. Because I was gonna say, um, and I'm glad you added that. Because I was gonna say, we've seen a lot of fake playing in movies, and it's terrible. Sure, but his fake yeah. playing was amazing. So yeah, the fact yeah. that he's really playing sells it better. You know, like it. it I think it kind of proves my point. It was like he was really selling it. I totally believed yeah. it. And um, and same with the trombone player. Like I play trombone. Like I look at that and go, he knows how to hold that horn, you know. I just, <laughs> it's little details like that or stuff that you appreciate is when 
The worst, though, the worst are when conductors are are up there and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. When they aren't real conductors, that just that hurts me to the soul. Yeah. <laughs> that one, they're not real conductors, yeah. and two, they didn't have the time to actually play the music on set while they're all fake it, faking it, so that at least the guy, if he knows how to count to four, could at least pretend. Right. You yeah. Know what I'm saying like it's because there are times where it's just. He's flapping, and it's not even close to what's happening. No, no. Uh, it drives me crazy. Um, but not also, in this movie. No, no, not in this movie. They they were all in. So he, so so Levy's character, like you said, I think uh, Sam, I think it was you, Sam, that mentioned that we start off liking him. Yeah, he's your bad. Yeah, um, Breaking, Breaking Bad, bad yeah. reference. We start off. He's kind of the hero, and by the end, I mean, obviously the very end is super sad. But I mean. His his journey from just being this kind of cocky, arrogant, but kind of likable guy, and then he shares his experience with what these white men did to his mother, and you can really see that he's broken. He's a broken man, mm-hmm. and he's he's hiding it behind a mask of of arrogance and talent, and and you feel really sorry for him. At the end, honestly, at the end, I didn't hate him. I just felt sorry for him. It was nothing but pity. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it was, like Sam said, that you felt like you didn't really care for his character at the end, but I'm kind of with you, Shauna. It's not that I didn't. It's that I understood. You know, I understood the issue that he's facing. And, And then at the very end, I was pissed. Not at him. But his music is taken and uh, really is stolen from him. Yeah, and yeah. That credit well, doesn't go to him. I was well, I mean, now. I will say I was extremely upset that he killed an innocent guy yeah. who wasn't. You know, there was well, no reason yeah, to do yeah. that. I mean, that was just that. The anger was very misplaced, and maybe that's supposed to be a reflection of 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 kind of what happens. Right? Is where. You know, the, the oppression is so bad that because you can't just go punch the 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 music producer in the face. You know, he takes it out on, on one of his own. Well, yeah, I think I think sorry, uh, Steven, I think that Sean's right when you said it, he's just broken. Yeah. Well, like basically that music producer destroyed what was left of his reality like his whole plan was you know he kept talking about his band he's going to be bigger than ma he's going to show everybody that he's the best he told like everybody that and then he just goes up and you know gets here have a couple of dollars and uh go run along and get yourself a licorice whip or whatever (sighs) and uh and then yeah i mean basically just like you were saying he he goes back to the to the boys and yeah sadly takes it out on like the sweetest member of the band because he didn't, you know, he really had no other outlet for it. Um, do you guys think that, 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 I guess, slash the ending was a little much like when it happened, were you like, eh, or what do you think? Uh, to me personally, it, it, it didn't as a, as a, um, as a, what am I trying to say? In the movie, it didn't bother me as like, a, okay, we've gone too far. It was just, mm-hmm. it was just, I just kind of treated everything that wasn't Ma as a metaphor. And oh, that, yeah, it's, it's you know, definitely a yeah, metaphor. Right. 
I guess, uh, I mean, because after I thought about it, I was like, yeah, it makes sense because then, you know, it shows how people start, you know, you basically turn on your other workers when the boss, like, you know, treats you like trash because you can't, you can't do anything because he took away all your power. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got your, your metaphor there. But, uh, but yeah, I guess in reality, I guess if you look at it in terms of reality, I was just like, and also there's so many other plays that end with like a death like that, <laughs> which uh, just felt a tiny bit cliche, just a tiny bit. Maybe you can, you know, call it a, I guess an archetype maybe, or that I mean, probably isn't the right word. It is but a trope. I mean, it, it is. That's it. Is it. A trope. That's yeah. what I was looking at. Trope. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. trope of, um, yeah, so many other plays. But I mean, yeah, as metaphorically speaking, it it works. And uh, and you know, once you think about it for a little bit, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's just just a little much, just a tad, just a tad. Well, and you, you start know. thinking, what else could they have done to land that same feeling that landed? Right. Um, That's you know, cool. uh, what else was there to show the final kind of. I don't want to say nail in the coffin of, of Levy, but just, you know, his madness reached a point where he got, you know, he killed one of, you know, killed a band member for God's sake. Um, right. Well, what if he did stab the boss? Like, I mean, what if like the guy was just walking away? I mean, I guess it had to sort of like sway, weigh on his like mental state for a little bit until he started stabbing people. But yeah. like, uh, so I guess, it, you know, maybe if the boss was turning away and then he stabbed him, it probably still wouldn't have the same impact. Yeah. Everyone would probably cheer, though. <laughs> It'd be a happy <laughs> ending at that point. Yeah, I mean, no one would turn yeah. tragedy yeah, no one... into. What's that? Yeah. I was just saying, no one would blame him. And you're right. You probably right. would get a round of applause in the audience. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is that. The, the play is not a happy ending. The play is... Yeah, it has to have a tragedy. It, yep. Yeah, it it's, it's a tragedy. tragedy it, sure. It's definitely a tragedy, and it needs to... We, we need... we Basically, we need the white guy to win to, mm-hmm. to show you... To make you, the audience angry, uh, and so hopefully things will change. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, they're, they're just... I guess, you know, it's also just to show that these things happened, that this is probably... Sure. You, know, a th- you know, this is more than likely a thing that did happen, and... You're supposed to feel a way about it. And then and then the fact that, yeah, Levy has been screwed, and he's so screwed that he's now basically wrecked his life. We we don't really don't ultimately write. know what happens to him. Does he go to jail forever? We don't know. But, mm-hmm. but the fact that Ma leaves with the knowledge that she stuck it to these two white guys, and she basically made a white guy beg her and open the door for her, to to so she could get into her own her car. I mean, she made the studio pay for the car to be fixed. You know, I mean, she made right. these guys jump through everything just yeah. so her she could sing onto a record and then get her signature. And right, I just wonder. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Am I jumping in too no, soon? No, no, go ahead. I mean, yeah. I just wonder, like, whoever the big name singer at the time was, if there if there was one. Like, would they have been treated differently than Ma? Would the Pepsi already be there? Would they be? Would they already be paying for the car? And would it have been easier? Um, or if if it's just oh, this is just you know Ma, we're gonna ch- 
give her the bare minimum treatment because you know she's she's black and not I don't know I don't know any singers from the 1920s <laughs> I'm sorry no but that's um, that is a good point and and I think we're yeah I'm, I'm we are googling forced, that now actually yeah we're forced to assume that that is the case right where yeah. it'd be interesting you know I'm now thinking you know what if they opened up the movie with the, you know a previous recording session just getting over um, in the studio um, you know, showing kind of the lavish uh, things that they do for that person. And then Ma comes in and and they send the band down to the basement. Right. And they, they, yeah. uh, you know, they, they just take everything out of the room except the bare necessities. I, I, that's interesting. I never thought yeah. of it that way. Because of course, if you're, you know, if you're not a famous musician, then you're just going to be pretty much treated like cattle. I mean, same as an actor too. If you're not, if you're not a name, it's just like, it's yep. get in line, buddy. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean is looking that up uh, just so that, you know, I don't know if you uh, realized it, but Levy and Toledo, the piano player that he stabbed are both fictional characters um, created by August Wilson. So they weren't real. Uh, Ma Wilson, of course, is, but um, but those two aren't. Um, but I also was seeing that there is a uh, there's another documentary on Netflix about Chadwick Boseman, um, and it talks a lot about this last performance, uh, basically saying that his last moments on screen were among his darkest, but also his best. Yeah, that's true. I, I found this really great website called RateYourMusic.com, which sounds terrible, but the website's actually pretty neat. Um, and basically, they, um, they've done like a, a chronological order of music from the 20s. And what's really interesting is, is that the majority of the best-selling artists in that era were black artists. Uh, really? Your Louis Armstrongs and... Um, I'm trying to huh. I'm trying to find some other ones that you guys would And I I wonder how many of them came up from the south. I would I don't know. I mean right? Clifford Hayes and the Dixieland Jug Bowlers. Oh, Blowers, sorry. I just thought it was a cool. Oh, name. that's much better. Um, <laughs> but I mean most of the like it's it's showing me album art and a lot of these, you know, here's some more blues stuff. Uh, this is a Barbecue Bob. Ha. <laughs> That's great. Barbecue Bob. That is a great name. He's a blues musician. Um, there, there's a bunch. But uh, the one the one guy that, I, honestly, I, I just don't know a lot of that. But you had your, your Louis Armstrong, your Ted Lewis, but Buddy Rich. Everybody knows Buddy Rich. You know, yeah. You know, yep. would, would Buddy Rich, to your point, you know, Buddy Rich goes to that studio. Is there a Coke, a Pepsi, and, um, you know, whatever he wants there just, just the uh, yellow M and M's. Yeah, exactly. You know, like all of right. all, all the things that the writer requires. Does the does right. the place where the band practice is it not a creaky basement that would probably have the worst acoustics in the history of buildings? <laughs> yes, um, I was thinking that too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I uh, no, I think you were we're all in the same place. The one thing that I thought was also interesting in the movie, and I, I read in the trivia. Is that the um, was the 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 door, the door in the in the in the band room, and then mm -hmm. how Levy is just fascinated with this door and that it wasn't there before. In the play, he never gets in the door. He never is able to get into it. But in this, he breaks through, and it's just like a, 
nothing. It's just like an anteroom that leads up to the street. Yeah. It just seems like a super dangerous thing to exist that if you fell down there, you're on the other side of a locked door. Right. But um, I, again, I, I felt like it felt like I was being hit with the door with another metaphor that he finally is able to break through only to be found himself trapped at the bottom of the well, basically. Oh, wow. That didn't even register um, to me. <laughs> but but yeah, that's uh, sounds super accurate. Um, wow. Good on good on you, filmmakers and Sean. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, because because that moment um. happens after he gets fired. Right. Is that he he gets fired and so he's he's in this kind of fit of rage and that's when he breaks through and then has this kind of moment where he's trapped. And then I think the the straw what breaks the back is when our gentleman friend who was the uh which I feel bad for the guy, the piano player, because we've only we've seen him in another movie on on our show. And he also died in that movie too, and that was insane. oh, is he the uh, he, the new Sean Bean? I guess he's the Sean Bean of uh, cheap seat <laughs> reviews. He uh, he was in Sahara. He was the doc in Sahara. That oh uh, yeah, that's right. That gets killed. Yeah. And so I was like, oh no, he's got a hundred. So if we see him in a movie, we know he's gonna die. I feel bad. Mm. Um. Uh, anything else we want to hit? I I feel like. We're kind of, I mean, the only other interesting thing was the, my opinion, was the the kind of almost sex scene that was happening in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the room. I thought that was... No, they, they were having sex. Well, I know they were, but I mean, like, you know, sexist interruptus kind of happened also, so. Um, trying to think. Uh, I don't have many notes. I didn't take a lot of notes on this movie. There was, it was, I didn't have time. I had to keep pausing... Right. Just yeah. To, I started taking notes at the beginning and then just just stopped because like it the the dialogue was very rapid. Uh, yeah. And it just sucked me in and I was like, it's all good. I don't need to write anything down anymore. The last two notes I wrote that I haven't I haven't mentioned anything about. These are such small details. One was um, I was really pissed at the sound engineer producer man when they realized that they didn't get any audio from the kid's mic because he goes down there and looks like a rat had eaten through the microphone. Mm -hmm. And I know they set that mic up in a hurry because Ma was yelling to get the microphone, but how do you not take 10 seconds to do a mic check? (laughs) As the sound guy... technology. I don't know. I don't know. As the sound guy for the podcast, I kind of feel like, um, you know... (laughs) Yeah. Come on, guy. (laughs) Take five seconds. Yeah. You only have two microphones to work on, you know. I mean, I know it's unfair. <laughs> I know it's unfair. You know, was I've I've had to deal with, you know, up to thirty at a time. But you know, hey, maybe again, that's just how they think of Ma. You know, they, with yeah. the bare minimum treatment. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're probably right. Let's not even check to see if the mic works. Yeah. And uh, the fact that it did work, and then they had to check. I don't know. And then my last note was. So we haven't touched on it, but Bozeman has a break earlier in the movie. In the movie, Levy has a break when he, when um, the trombone player is talking about Cutler. God. Cutler, thank you. He's talking mm. about God, and Levy mm. just loses his stuff. 
because he's he doesn't believe in God. How could God let those white men do the things to his mother? Mm-hmm. And well, he pulls out the freaking knife too at the time, and you're like, is this guy crazy enough? Yeah, you know, because he's basically saying, "I'm going to kill you." God, stop me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's you know, I think that's our first sign that one he's a little not quite there. And that, you know, obviously, and the other part is, I, I think we needed to see it to, one, prove that he's a little crazy, and also to show that he has a knife that he carries with him. Right. Because yeah. um, yep. it would have been, I think, more jarring if he would have stabbed him at the end of the movie, and we're like, where did he get a knife from? Why does a trumpet sure. player carry a knife? Yeah. Yeah, it's a setup and payoff, for yeah. sure. Well, it, it's it's the same idea in any movie, where if you're going to show the gun, you're going to show that gun going off later on. Right. There's well, no, otherwise, there's no reason to show the gun. In all fairness, the, the the three of us, Sam, Sean, uh, you know, carrying low brass instruments, we don't need to carry a knife because we can just take somebody out with the instrument. We but have a bludgeon in players, our hand, yeah. You know, they they they're kind of scared, so that's that's fine. And then no one's gonna approach Stephen because he's a saxophone player, so he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> they, he just has to play the instrument. They they take off running. Just run away. <laughs> How dare you speak of the saxophone that way? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell that to Kenny G, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried. Nice. The last thing, but uh, so my last note was, how do you go back to playing music after that moment? Because we, the, the scene ends right. He's just crying. He's just kind of collapses. And just in the scene ends, and then the next shot is they're back in the studio, recording song number two or whatever. And I thought. There are sometimes movies cheat us. I want to know how we got from there to there. You know, like, does he apologize? Do they pick him up? I mean, you know, they have to put their clothes back on and get ready in a frame of mind. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine it would be hard to play under those circumstances. But yeah, I thought the session was over by the time he stabbed the piano player. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is after the, he, this is the, after the God, the God you know, fight. Yelling, oh, yelling, that. Yelling, okay. God. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're professionals and I don't know. Have you, I mean, I've heard some pretty outrageous, like road stories. I mean, just from rock musicians, like back in the day, you know, even like the, the fifties and sixties, the fact that he even carries a knife really isn't all that outrageous. Cause <laughs> I've heard of people, you know, getting robbed and then you've got, you know, bookers who don't want to pay you. Um, and the, and like musicians were also looked down upon for a while as like almost like sort of a drifter <laughs> kind of lifestyle. Um, yeah. so, you know, maybe it's just like, I, I mean, the rest of the band, I'm sure we're all just like, Hey, you know, maybe this, this guy was about to you know, cut someone, but we've got a job to do. So let's get back to it and we can deal with it later. Pretty much. All right. Uh, I do have a few clips. Um, Sam did send me a text and said, you're going to have a challenge with some of these clips because there's a (laughs) lot of, there's a lot of F bombs and there's a lot of N words. And so I did the best that I could. So uh, I just liked this phrase. What the hell you think I was saying? Things change. The and everything. Now you're going to say you were saying it. You're going to fit two propositions on the same track, run them into each other, and cause they crash. You're going to say it's the same train? I love that dialogue. I just mm-hmm. love that. 
Um, if you're going to say the name of your movie, which I need to say this. I don't know if I wrote this in the trivia or not, but Black Bottom is a dance. It's a blues kind of uh, dance that was created in the black community in the South. So we're not talking about her ass. We're talking about a dance. So I just, I don't know if we ever made that clear earlier. That's what Ma, <laughs> Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is referring to. It's about, it's her dance. It's not her ass. I just want to throw that out there. Anyway. Uh, here's the name of the movie. If my thing will play. Hell, I'm ready if you want to rehearse. I just said there ain't no point in it. Mine ain't here. What's the point in it? My Rainey's Black Bottle. A one, a two, a you know what to do. So, there you go. I, I might start counting off in class that way. There you go. Yeah. I loved Cutler and that <laughs> actor. He's so good. Yeah. Agree. All right, this clip's a little long. I might not play the whole thing. It's a minute plus. I just love everything about it. I love Viola Davis's just the what what she's saying and the way she does it. You know, I, um, you know, I I like that she never yells. This is not a yelling opportunity. This is this is her being quiet and serious, and you were gonna take her serious. I just I love the acting. And yep. here you go. Ma, I, I titled this one, Ma Means Business. Get my nephew on down there, introduce him to the band. I promised my sister I'd look out for him, so he's going to do the voice intro to the song, My Way. Well, we just figured... Who's this we? What do you mean we come talking this we, sir? Who we? Me and Sturdivant. We decided... You decided, huh? I'm just a bump on a log. I'm just going to go whichever way the river drift. Is that it? You and Sturdivant decided... No, we just thought... I ain't got no good sense. I know none of my music. I don't know what a good song is and what ain't. You know more about my fans than I do. It's not that, Ma. It's more of what the people want. Let me tell you something, Irvin. And you can go up there. You can tell Sturdivant, too. What you all say don't count with me. You understand? Ma, listen to her heart. Ma, listen to the voice inside her. That's what count with Ma. Now, you carry my nephew on down there. You tell Cutler he's going to do the voice intro to the Black Bottom song and Levy ain't messing up my song. Now, if that don't set right with you and Sturdivant, I can carry my Black Bottom on back down south to my tour because I don't like it up here in no ways. Okay. Ma, I don't care. I think that time she meant her Black Bottom is actually her ass. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I just oh, thanks for so straightening good. that it's, out. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to to tackle the hard pressing issues of, <laughs> of nuances between black bottom. metaphor, <laughs> yes, and simile, alliteration, <laughs> subjects and predicates. Oh, ooh, predicates! Man, that's a word. I haven't... <laughs> heard that. Yeah, I know. And ska. And ska. <laughs> yeah. Ska. I, I, w- I would be honest. I would never have thought in a thousand years I would find a way to talk about Ska during this movie, but um, I'm glad I was. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh, it was the your rabbit fault. holes we go down at Cheap Seat Reviews. Yeah, it's totally your fault. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, here we go. Here's this Coke. I need a Coke. Hot as it is, shoot. I need Coke. What's the matter, Ma? Where's my Coke? I need a Coke. Coca Cola. Uh, Ma, look, I forgot the Coke. Let's do it without it, huh? Just this one song. What say, boys? Damn what the band say. You're supposed to have my Coca-Cola. You knew that. I knew nothing without my Coca-Cola. <laughs> I love it. Well, I really do. 
And and it just goes to show, you know, you knew that I, I forgot it. it. It was on some sort of rider, right? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. on something that they were supposed to have for. Her. So yeah, they they were trying to do one over on her there too. Interesting. The so I've actually had to read writers for bands. I've I've had to do that as the as the manager of the Palladium at Carowinds and. You, you always hear about the dumb things like you mentioned earlier, like the yellow M&Ms. The reason why band people put that in there is to make sure that you read the writer. It's always mm-hmm. for. And yeah. 99% of the time, you just cross that shit out because you're not going to do that because it's stupid. But there were some, some requests that we would you know, uh, comply to. But for the most part, like they would say, we only want, I only want Cherry Pepsi. Well, we're a Coke venue we only sell coke here so i can get you a cherry coke uh, there's nothing i can do about that you know but then occasionally you would get like like the the lead the the head uh, singer of skillet when they were headlining there he literally came up to my office and handed me a hundred dollars and said go buy me as many chick-fil-a sandwiches as you can get Whoa. i was like okay so I, I i called a runner and i was like Go get in the van and go buy a hundred chicken sandwiches or as many chicken sandwiches as you can get for that. So he did. Which is like six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you'd like Dang to know Chick-fil-A. more about Sean's time at Carowinds, <laughs> please check out Theme Park Legends. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Episode nice. number, I don't know, 17 or something like that. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> good plug. That was great. Um, and in Thanks. case you were wondering if you wanted to know what, Viola Davis sounds like when she's drinking a Coke. Here it is. God, that was the worst noise. <laughs> I, I can just see the director. It's like, okay, uh, Miss uh, Miss Davis, I need you to drink this Coke the most disgusting way you know how yeah. and make the most obnoxious sound that you can manage. She says, <laughs> it, it kind of makes me wonder because it, I mean, they do, there are a couple of cutaways, but it, it, I don't know. It, it, it really looks like it was done in like one take. And it made me feel like they said, you need to drink this Coke. Just drink as much of it as you can. And she's like, well, I have a hidden talent where I can down, you know, a 10 ounce bottle of Coke in 12 seconds. Okay. We have to film this, you know, and, <laughs> And then I like how fascinated no, no you are with this. I am. They all, they all just, they had to break character right at the, you know, at cut. Uh, they're all just dying. They're you know, all, everybody's just dying. Oh yeah. And I'm sure they probably <laughs> you know, applauded. I, I, go as a, uh, uh, sorry, I can't. Words are hard. Um, to Viola Davis's uh, acting, this was at the end of Ma Ramey's life. I think I called her Ma Wilson. Earlier, I didn't mean that. That's Ma Ramey's wife, uh, life. Ra- uh, but Ma, Ma Ramey, so she's she not died. related to Sam Ramey. Go ahead. No, Rainy? Yeah. Rainy, R-A-I-N. Okay. Like, like it's a rainy day. Like it has no, been it's literally here. on the screen right here in front of me, and I can't read. <laughs> um, so anyway, at, at this point, the, when I saw her drinking, that, at this point, I thought to myself, this woman is at the point in her life where she does not give a shit. She doesn't give a rat's ass about how she looks, about what she says, about what people think about her, and she's going to drink this Coke however the however well she damn well pleases. Like she's going to just drink this Coke, yeah. and people yeah. can suck it. And I think that's really what we get from her. And it just it's it, another little gem of acting from Wild Davis. Yeah. 
Yeah. The the other thing, it's funny you say that the way she looks, and you mentioned earlier, I think, about the hair and makeup and whatever. I mean, not only does she look kind of terrifying, is that she she constantly looks like she's just in a state of sweat. And yeah, and especially yeah. in comparison when they had that the the young lady there, and you know, Ma's kind of touchy feeling her in slightly inappropriate ways. You know, you have this really attractive girl who's you know very well kept and you know smooth skin, and then here's Ma with you know like you're not wrong. They made her look kind of terrifying in a way. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. gross. Yeah, yeah. She, she but she, like you said, she doesn't care um, at all. It's like she doesn't have time to even put herself together to go deal with these white guys at the studio. She just doesn't care because nope. she's she's gonna make them earn it, and she does. This is the last one. This is the kind of the heartbreaking moment. Mrs. Thirty-Vance, uh, I don't know what fellas you had playing them songs, but if I could play them, I set them down in the people's lap. Now you told me I could record them songs. Well, there's nothing I can do about that. Like I say, it's five dollars a piece. That's what I'll pay you. I'm doing you a favor. Now, if you write any more, I help you out and take them off your hands. The price is five dollars a piece, just like now. The the moment in the movie when he said, can I take a look at that music? And he handed it over. I looked at my wife and said, you never do that. I, no. said, I said to her, I said, that music is gone. Right. And she said, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I said, you, you don't do that, especially not then. Right. Because like, at least now, you can be like, yeah, you can take the sheet music. I've already had a copy written, and I've got a studio demo that I made at my cell phone back there. So you can't claim that song as yours. You right. Know, I, I have, there, even the band I used to run sound for, they even did what they referred to as a poor man's copyright. What they do is you would mail yourself a disc copy of your CD. Yeah, you mail and then it not open it. And then never open it. So you have a yeah. physical hard stamp, federal stamp, that says... This CD was made by at least April 1st of you know, 19, you know 2001, whatever. And so yeah. that if someone says, yeah. oh, these are our, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal your songs, you're like, nope, those are our songs. Um, and it, it, never would, it wouldn't actually hold up in court, but that's not the point. The point is, is that it was just kind of a thing. All right, time to, to do this. And now for some more bad news. Ready? Um, trivia. The, I've already mentioned that... Um, Denzel Washington is going to be doing all 10, I said seven earlier, I meant to say all 10 of August Wilson's Century Cycle plays to to the big or small screen. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is the second filmed uh, Wilson adaptation Washington has produced in this cycle after Fences. In September 2020, Washington told the New York Times that the third film in the series would be The Piano Lesson and that he hoped to cast his own son, John David Washington, and Sam Jackson with Barry Jenkins directing. Um, we all know that Chadwick Boseman, uh, this was his last film, and he died August 28, 2020, after a four-year battle with cancer. Unbeknownst to his fellow cast members, Boseman was receiving cancer treatments while filming the movie. Wow. Makes me sad. It really does. Just a... Just a like... This is going to sound super mean, and I don't really care. We, we looked at Heath Ledger and said, what a tragedy that he died so young. You know, what a talent he was. But 
but that's different than what Chadwick Boseman did, like what he had to go through. You know what I'm saying? Like he suffered on a different yeah. level, and and lost. Whereas mm-hmm. Heath Ledger went to a place and couldn't return, and then left. Using trying yeah. to use very vague words here, but um, yeah, I think it says a lot also that he didn't give up. You know, like he's fighting this terrible disease, knowing that his time is limited, yeah. and yet he's still for for his art and for his fans. Uh, you know, went on and did what he could, and did it so well. Yeah. Uh, the band recording Levy's song at the end is based on Paul Whiteman's orchestra. Whiteman was labeled the king of jazz despite being white. I mean, if, you're, uh-huh. if your last name is literally Whiteman, I guess you have to be white. Okay. Uh, time for this. Uh, this. Excuse me while I whip this out. We're going to do movies that are based on plays. And I have a sad feeling that... I'm going to have all that what you guys have because I've seen like <laughs> four and this one is one of the four. Uh, Andrew, you typically lead off. Um, though I think I'm thinking that I'm going to have to actually move you to the last because yours are always better than uh, mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, number three, I have driving Miss Daisy. Okay. Yeah. Um, Number two, I have The Odd Couple. Okay. And number one, based off of a play called Pygmalion, and one of my favorite movies and musicals of all time, My Fair Lady. Yes. Cool. Agreed. I have seen none of those. Dude, I used to... My Fair Lady was was on repeat when I was growing up. Yeah. It was usually the movie I would fall asleep to at night, actually. Cool. Uh, Sam, what you got? All right, I've got um, my number three as 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, nice. Taming of the Shrew, Taming right? Taming of the Shrew, yeah. Uh, number two, Driving Miss Daisy. And my number one is Finding Neverland. Oh, I didn't know that was based on a play. Yep. Very nice. Well, yeah. Yep. Steven, what, you, got, you got three for us? Sure do. Um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, have you guys seen that one? I have not. No. Oh, it's worth it just for, it's like the only time Alec Baldwin, he was either nominated or actually won an Academy Award. And he just shows up and delivers this one speech slash monologue and he's not in the rest of the movie. But it's so good that obviously they, you know, they recognize them. Um, but anyway, so Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, Death of a Salesman, like, I guess few people know that there is a movie. It's got um, yep. John Malkovich in it. And then um, there's a Suburbia, which there's actually two movies. And this is this one is based off. There's one from the 80s, which is about like punk rockers or something. But the this Suburbia is basically just, I don't know. It's like a 90s teen angst play that they made a movie of, which uh, Richard Linkletter uh, directed. Um, and it's uh, if you're in the mood for that kind of film, it's pretty good. And that's what, that's my three. Cool. Uh, so I actually have two that I'm surprised neither one of you or none of you picked, but that's because, well, one of them's kind of a bad movie, but 
That's fine. So my number three is the Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Um, <laughs> I actually didn't really like the movie, but I haven't seen any other <laughs> version of Romeo and Juliet that I can think of uh, on the big screen. So okay. there's that. Is this is this the which version of this is Baz Luhrmann's the guy what directed um, Mulan Rouge? Yeah. So DiCaprio. Uh, yeah, DiCaprio uh, and the girl with no eyebrows. Oh, Sean, that's a that's a terrible version of it. Romeo it is, but I haven't again. I haven't seen like all these things that you guys have mentioned. I've not seen. I just. Oh, Sean. I know. So you oh, weren't, about, you weren't I mean, forced what are we to watch do it. With in, you? I remember being forced to watch Romeo and Juliet in, in like ninth grade, and it was like a nineteen seventies. Yeah, I, probably, I saw that one too. I probably yeah. have. I just where the where remember. the teacher had to try to fight a uh, fast forward. You know um, what? Through the, right. through the booth. <laughs> Through the booby part, yeah. yep. Now that I think about There's... it, I saw the Mel Gibson Hamlet, so I would switch that out with this. Okay. I saw the Mel Gibson Hamlet version. You could do a Tromeo and Juliet, too. That's a good one. <laughs> I've seen, well, I have seen Nomeo and Juliet. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Um, my number so you two, have seen some. Yeah. Number two actually was also the 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Heath Ledger, and my number one is A Few Good Men. Oh, really? Aaron Sorkin wrote the play. Nice. I didn't know it was a play. Yeah. I just thought I knew it was Sorkin, but I didn't know it was a play. Now, okay. according to the internet, I thought actually the movie came first and then they made a play. But according yeah. to when I did Google search of movies based on plays, it came up. So I thought, oh, great, because I love the movie. So <laughs> there you go. That's that. Time for this. Wait, what's supposed to happen? We're going to do our out of 10, and uh, Andrew goes first. Well, as I think we could probably all agree, I think this movie is done extremely well in many ways. Um, and for that reason, you know, it's not a movie that I'm going to go out and, and watch again soon. It is one that I want to see again, um, and it is one that I would love to, to see the play that it's based on. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, th there are a few moments that I kind of thought maybe it was a little, it kind of drug on, but it, just very few. Uh, so there's a few moments that just felt like it was, it could have been left down. And I don't know if they're a part of the movie and not a part of the play or, or what, but um, even so, I'm going to give this a, a good 7.8 out of 10. All right. Uh, Steven. Uh, every now and then, I like to be reminded that all you really need for a good movie is some good writing, strong performances, and one or two locations. And this movie definitely did that. And so I am going to give it, hmm, I'd say a seven. All right. Sam? Uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie um i think it's a great lesson i think it's a great story and uh, it's kind of like steven said sometimes you're reminded that all you need is good dialogue right all you need is is uh, you know a a speech that will you know harden you to the core and and i i, I would love to see this in person if, if someone on mm -hmm. stage can repeat this i mean that's just amazing to me um if they could do it with the same power but uh I'm gonna give it a seven point nine out of ten. I I I how about a seven point nine one out of ten? Let's do that. Okay. Uh, just to make it a little weird. 
the uh, remainder of six. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I enjoyed it. I, I I'm surprised I enjoyed it as much as I did. I was yeah, worried too. about us uh, about us reviewing this because I thought, uh, you know, you know, if it was bad, how are we going to say you know it was bad? But there's not a whole lot uh, of negativity um, to <laughs> yeah. talk about in this this movie. You're not wrong. It does. There was a moment where I'm like, how do I criticize this movie without coming across as being racist? And I thought, well. We're all intelligent people, and I think people that listen to the show are intelligent enough to know that we're not yeah. that. At least the guy what no. re- requested it knows that we're not. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and it's funny. He actually did ask me to ask you guys. He asked on our Facebook page to ask you guys a question, but you answered it without me even, even having to bring it up And because he specifically asked me to ask, um, how did you feel about Ma Rainey at the end of the movie compared to the <laughs> beginning? And we already talked yeah. about that. So yeah, the Breaking Bad thing. Yeah. yeah. So that was interesting that we already did that. So uh, my uh, score, um, Sam, you used the phrase you enjoyed the movie. I can't use that phrase. This was a hard. Well, watch. I also enjoy horror movies. I enjoy. Yeah, you you know, use that word uh, differently than I do, when, which is fine. Um, I I did not. Like I did not have a good time with this. This was a hard movie to watch. Yeah. And for all the reasons it's supposed to be hard. Uh, yeah. Right. And so anyway, I uh uh but I think it is a really good movie and I think it's one that people, you know, frankly should watch. And so with that being said, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Um nice. I I it is a good movie and it makes me sad that we don't get more Chadwick Boseman in our lives. You know, he's such a good actor. I mean, just yes. he nails so, this so. movie. He really does. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, the last little dumb thing that we have to do, uh, Stephen. This is new to um, to you, so I play this. Not a great plan. And then I have a um, a a giant poster that my parents gave me for Christmas. Uh, what movie? Whose line? One hundred and one classic movie quotes. And so I've been reading them off as we go. We forgot to do last week, so uh, <laughs> we're going to do one this week. And it's just for people to kind of listen and play at home. You don't have to actually answer, but everyone will know this one. And that is... Jurassic Park. I'm, I'm funny how. I mean, funny like a clown. Ah. I amuse you. I make <laughs> you laugh. That's the whole quote. That's all it gives me. So Nice. Uh, do I know that one? And so we're not supposed to answer oh. it. We don't have to. If you want to, that's fine. I just well, I, I know the answer. Well, I know the answer yeah. too, and I've never seen the movie, yeah. but I know the answer. <laughs> I don't think I know it. All right. Well, we'll talk no? off air. Okay. That's fine. Uh, that being said, um, gosh, that's the show. That's it. Thank you guys yeah. so much for listening. Thank you, Stephen, for coming back on. Absolutely, and tackling this kind of movie with us. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. It was I my mean, pleasure. It's, this is a far, far cry from Velocipaster, which is what we had doing last time. <laughs> uh, I like to watch a little bit of everything. Variety is the spice of life. And I did say to you the, when we did Velocipaster, the next time we have you on, we'll do something good. I think we've met that challenge. This was a yeah. this was a good movie, and maybe For the sure. next maybe next film we have won't be so heavy. Yeah, you yeah, know? for sure. Um, Transformers 5. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
And uh, I think I, I actually think Andrew and Sam would quit the podcast if we had to watch another Transformers movie. God. Um, where can people find your shows? You because you were doing a, an audio drama, yeah. Yes, uh, all ten episodes of Ray Can't Sleep are now available wherever you get um, podcasts, or you could just go to raycantsleep.com and since i finished that i i'm like directionless and don't know what to do with my life uh so i kind of resurrected my old youtube channel which is very sort of comic book centric and i did a a, a fan commentary for the movie punisher war zone oh, so nice. if you want to hear me talk about the punisher war zone from 2008 i think it was then yeah. just go on over to first issue ever on youtube and then press play when i tell you to play and bam you got me in your ear for the duration of the film nice very cool awesome well you can find uh old our old episodes at cheapseat.libsyn cheapseatreviews.libsyn.com that's how you can go back and listen to old episodes of us uh leave us a review on iTunes it'd be super super helpful leave us a review on iTunes Google Play YouTube but mostly iTunes that's kind of pretty much the uh the best way to find other people can find us uh like our Facebook facebook.com/cheapseatreviews at cheapseatcast is our Twitter and emails to cheapseatreviews at gmail.com. And next week, we are doing something very different. We are, um, uh, our good friend and former co-host, Corny, will be back on the show next next episode, and we're doing The Last Dragon. Woo. That was uh, that was his request, and so we're going to be doing that. The Last Dragon. Super excited to uh, hang out with him again. So... That's the show. Thank you for listening. You guys have been awesome. Thanks again, Stephen. And uh, we will see you next time for The Last Dragons. Mm-hmm.